From Creation Ministries International, you're listening to Creation.com's article podcast. The research and insights that give God the glory, refutes evolution, and gives you the answers to defend your faith. I'm Joseph Darnell. In the last half century, the doctrine of sin appears to have become a doctrine under attack in theological circles, but this has largely gone unnoticed. This podcast aims to show how in various ways the classical doctrine has been challenged. That doctrine can be summarized in the following points. Creation took place in the recent past. Sin began in the spiritual realms with the fall of the angels. Sin spread to mankind when Adam and Eve fell to temptation. Sin was first and foremost a breach of the commands of God. There followed a breakdown of relationships between God and mankind and then between people death entered as a consequence of the fall. The creation became corrupted and corruptible. Protestantism, Catholicism, and Orthodoxy have disagreed about how sin spread from Adam to his descendants, but they were all agreed that it did spread and that the physical descent from Adam is fundamental to the doctrine. Let's consider our understanding of ourselves. In the intellectual arena, rather than what people think, It is said that the challenge arose first from the theories of Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung, but with the passage of time, their views have infiltrated the popular mind. Do you believe in original sin or original goodness? The creation-centered spirituality of Matthew Fox and in the controversial book The Lost Message of Jesus by Steve Chalk and Alan Mann have both been accused of having an unbiblical understanding of human nature. The Orthodox theologian Michael Pomenzansky put it starkly, As for the newer sects of Protestantism, they have gone as far as the complete denial of original inherited sin. It is bad enough to deny what scripture teaches, but if sin is not really that serious, then the need for the Son of God to bear our sin also becomes unnecessary, and the biblical doctrine of salvation is a swift casualty. And we have sin as alienation. Paul Tillich is attributed with first arguing that sin is fundamentally a breach of relationship. The plight of man does not have to do with immorality and evil, but with alienation and meaningless. Tillich said, In every soul there is a sense of aloneness and separation. Alistair McGrath has defined sin as something that separates humankind from God. And thus, salvation is the breaking down of the barrier of separation between humans and God on account of Christ. The appeal for many is that it is possible to see the fall as a picture or story of alienation, rather than historical fact. In the classical doctrine, this breach of relationship is a consequence of, rather than the heart of sin. Then there's victimhood. The breakdown of relationship comes into sharp focus when Cain murders Abel. If one person sins, another is often the victim. The idea of victimhood has particularly appealed to liberation theologians, and the cross is seen as showing Jesus as the victim of others' sins. It is a small step to thinking that victims are essentially sinless. But if the rich and powerful are the great sinners, why did Jesus, the friend of sinners, not spend more time with them? The argument breaks down, but it is nevertheless widely held. It is safer to say instead that all have a sinful nature, but some, because of their circumstances, impact others more when they fall into sin. And there is the failure of potential. 
Process theology was an attempt to recast classical theology in an evolutionary framework and is particularly associated with Norman Pittenger. In this view, sin consists of man's failure by free decision, whether his own or that of the society in which he shares, to become in reality what impossibility he is made for. God is no longer sovereign, and sin marks our failure to live up to our potential. Those who try to resist theological progress and development are therefore particularly guilty of sin. This is developed particularly in feminist theology. And we have the man thing. Valerie Siving is attributed with the beginning of the feminist attack on the classical doctrine of sin. Ironically, feminist theology is the one area where the doctrine of sin has remained a prominent theme. Often in the past, women, in particular Eve, were blamed for sin. Men, it is said, formulated the doctrine of sin, but it does not reflect the experience of women. For feminists, Eve's failure was that she did not take responsibility for herself. Women will break free of sin when they do all that Eve failed to do, live up to their potential. In all these ways, our understanding of ourselves in the classical doctrine of sin has been and is being assaulted today. The second type of challenge relates to human origins. All the views about the origin of sin assume, to a degree, the truth of Darwinian evolution and the earth is very old, contrary to the classical view. If the earth is old, when did sin begin? In this view, sin is radically new. Even though the universe is old, sin had a definite starting point. Rarely do people spell out what they really believe on this point. Most hide behind generalities or plead ignorance, but there are two broad variants. The first is recent humans and recent sin. Human-like creatures may have been evolving for millions of years, but man in the image of God is a recent arrival. Either man was made by special creation, or God gave an existing creature a soul, thus making them human. Then there's the other view, old humans, recent sin. In this view, human beings have been around for a long time, but sin is relatively recent. Again, many writers are wary about spelling out what they believe, but many conservative evangelicals appear to adopt this approach. What this means is that death, destruction, and disasters occurred long before the fall, and must have been included in what God calls very good. It is rare that those who put forward this view address how and why they deviate from the classical doctrine. Usually, they're content to plead ignorance. And the second view asserts that man had fully evolved in the natural world and sin emerged along the way. There was no special creation and no fall. But again, there are different ways in which this view is articulated. All of them represent a fundamental break with the classical doctrine of sin. And then there's the concern that sin is the inevitable outcome of the struggle to survive. Sin is entirely human. It has no spiritual content. Evolution, even death and extinction are good unequivocally. Natural evil is thus an illusion or just a helpful way of describing things. Sin, death, and corruption are just natural. They cannot be avoided. And yet another is leaving sin behind. In this alternative, we see sin itself as a stage in the evolutionary process. The challenge is to rise out of the evolutionary soup and leave sin behind. This resonates with the process theology and appeals to those most concerned with the survival of the ecosystem. Under this view, 
the greater sins are those that seem to threaten our survival. Try questioning global warming and you will soon discover this for yourself. And lastly, the sin myth. A third variation is found amongst the theological revisionists, including the former Bishop of Newark, Jack Sponge, and the Cambridge academic, Don Cupid. In this, sin is just a part of evolution, so there is nothing wrong with it. The idea of sin was invented by men as a weapon of power within religion. They argue that it has turned the idea of God into a monster, and Sponge likens the doctrine of atonement to child abuse. We see, therefore, that the revisionists are just old-fashioned idolaters. God is a projection of their own thoughts and ideas. They have no sense that he has revealed himself to us. The doctrine of sin is far less prominent in theological discussion than it once was, except, curiously, amongst feminists. Classically, it was fundamental to explaining human nature and the doctrine of salvation. Today, different understandings of human nature and human origins lead to a very different idea of sin. At one end of the spectrum, we see conservative evangelicals who wish to retain most of the classical doctrine except the first point, that creation and the fall occurred in the recent past. It is rare to find that the consequences of this approach are explored. Along the way are various views that have sought to shift the focus away from sin as first and foremost a breach of the commands of God, and place the emphasis elsewhere. Whereas the classical view sought to represent a straightforward reading of the narrative of Genesis, these contemporary views lean much more heavily on human insights about human nature, although they may go on to search for support for these insights in the text of Scripture. At the far end of the spectrum are those who reject every point of the classical doctrine. What is more, they argue that the biblical teaching itself is sinful, because it was invented by men to oppress their fellow men and women. In contrast, those who accept the biblical teaching cannot but conclude that the revisionists' attempt to redefine sin are actually an exact illustration of what sin really is, a failure to accept and live by the word of God. Saint Simeon, the new theologian, lived from 949 to 1022 AD. In his written work, Pomenzansky's Orthodox Dogmatic Theology, Simeon said, When with his whole soul Adam believed the serpent and not God, then the divine grace which had rested on him stepped away from him, so that he became the enemy of God by reason of the unbelief which he had shown to his words. Genesis tells us God created. The rest of the biblical record spells out theological implications of his actions. The book From Creation to Salvation highlights the teachings of Jesus and the New Testament authors that rest on the foundation of biblical creation. God designed his word in such a way that if we reject biblical creation, we are then forced to reject significant theological ideas that are important to how we view God and salvation. Seriously, if you want to fully understand theological connections, what Jesus and the New Testament authors believed about Genesis, then get a copy of the title From Creation to Salvation, available in softcover and ebook formats at creation.com store.
The Creation Article Podcast is hosted by me, Joseph Darnell, and produced out of the U.S. studio of Creation Ministries International. Learn more at creation.com. This episode was written by David Phillips. Our writers and scientists host a really cool talk show called creation.com talk, which you can find right here in your podcast app and YouTube. If you would like to help us, become a monthly supporter using our donate page. You can also help by telling your family and friends to check out our podcasts and creation.com. Be sure to follow Creation Ministries International on Facebook and Instagram, and subscribe to the free e-newsletter, InfoBytes. From everyone at CMI, thanks for listening.